my money would come into my account and I would let it control me. Oh, oh God. Okay. I have to put a little bit away for rent and then hopefully I have enough to like go out to eat and maybe get my nails done. And like, we'll see what happens where now it's like, I am so intentional. If I make a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, 10,000, whatever, I use this money management system because it's so easy. It's like boop, boop, boop. And it's a system. I don't have to think about it anymore where before I would panic every time because I was like, I don't know where to put this money. Now that panic is gone because I've created certainty. Look, this chunk is going in debt relief. This one's going to business expenses. This one's going to savings. So it completely calmed my nervous system down because it's like, you know what to do with your money. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Reif, and this podcast covers lifestyle, travel, mindset, manifestation, and entrepreneurship. Today is a solo episode that was voted on by you all on my Instagram. I put up a poll at Chelsea Reif, and I asked you if you wanted to hear about money healing or my life in Germany. It was actually almost a tie. There was only one more vote for money healing versus Germany updates. So I'm going to record both. But since money healing was the first one that was voted on, I am doing that today. So today I'm going to talk about all the things that I've learned with money, my relationship with money, how I've healed parts of it and what I'm still working on. And I think this is a really, really important conversation because to me, this was the piece of the puzzle that I feel like was missing for the last, I don't know, two or three years in my self-development journey. I was always looking at my morning routines and my habits and my health and what I was putting into my body and who I was hanging out with and the content I was consuming, which I think are all incredibly important pieces of self-development, but I just never talked about money. Even though when you think about it, it is the one thing that we need to use to survive for the rest of our lives. Isn't that crazy? Like money is the only thing that we will for sure have around us until the rest of our lives. If you're living in a country or a city or a town or whatever, like I can't think of one situation where you wouldn't be using currency or money to live your life. Right. I'm really thinking out loud right now. And I cannot think of one, like we don't live in a society anymore where we trade apples for oranges or diamonds for rubies or whatever the case is. We have updated our currency of the globe to be money. So it's funny that it's the one topic that no one really wants to talk about or open up about, but it's the one thing that for sure we will be using for the rest of our lives. So I realized, wait a second, money is the one thing that I keep putting off and it's affecting me because it's how I live right? It's how I live. Like, why am I not learning about money when I'm learning about my health and my brain and my mindset and all these things? So as I started to look at my relationship with money, other parts of my life started healing. And I started to realize how much money is interconnected with everything else in my life. It's very hard to run a business if you don't understand where your money is going or how to use it or what to do with it. It's very hard to travel if you don't understand what money you have and what to put aside and what currency to use. It's hard to save for your future if you don't understand money. Money is the one thing that I started to realize again, that if I didn't understand it, I felt like I was always going to live in this place of like feeling financially illiterate or not able to fully live my life I wanted. And it really didn't start the awareness piece until I want to say until I really started 
I'm trying to think maybe traveling because it definitely was, it was around when I was working in corporate America. Like I noticed some patterns with money that even though I would be making a lot of money, I would still somehow be living paycheck to paycheck or I would still be overdrafting. And so there were always these feelings and kind of fears around money, but I never understood what it would mean to actually look at my money and my relationship and understand how to heal it. So I think like everybody starting from the beginning, that would always be helpful, but I always felt a bit uneasy or worried about money. Like I never actually thought, Oh, okay, let me look into this and try and heal it and work on my money mindset. Like that just wasn't a thing. I feel like if you're not in the spiritual or personal development or any type of community like that, it's really weird to just think, Oh, you know what I'm going to do today? You know, after my workout is start working on my money mindset. Like that just was not a thing. So I just thought everybody is also struggling with money or everybody feels weird around money and money is icky to talk about money's taboo. So that's that. Those were my thoughts with money for a very long time. And it wasn't until I started diving into my own spirituality and self-development that I even heard the word money mindset. I would hear it on podcasts. I would see it on episodes, you know, people talking about money mindset and wealth consciousness and all these things, all these words that I had never heard. And then it slowly started to pop up more and more, right? It's like the same thing. When you learn about one thing, you go down a rabbit hole. And so when I would see things around money, I would also hear it about it. And then I would see a book about it. And then I would hear a podcast or whatever the case was. So I slowly just started to become aware, wait, there's a world out there where people are talking about money and people are working on their habits and beliefs. And that really shocked me. I was like, I didn't know people talked about this out loud. I'm from America in corporate America, especially you don't really talk about your salaries or how much you make or how much you earn. My stance on it when I was in America was a bit different actually, because I was in sales and so much of our promotion and, you know, up leveling was tied to how many sales we made. So people did talk a little bit more about it in my old job because we were all like, well, wait, are you going to get a promotion? How much did you sell? And you could actually see a lot of people's numbers just because that's how sales operated was like, okay, what team is doing best and who needs to sell more to hit their quota. So yes, we talked about it a lot in my old job, but it was still very taboo to be like, well, you know, what's your promotion going to be? And this and that, just like many other jobs, you just didn't talk about it a lot. So I just started to realize, okay, no one talks about it. And I have bad habits with money. That's what I noticed about myself. Some of the beliefs and patterns that I had were, I didn't think I could handle a lot of money. I was always overdrafting. So I felt very irresponsible with money. I was always living outside of my means. Like whenever I I had a paycheck, I literally just knew, okay, I have to set this much aside for rent and then the rest we'll see what happens. That was my financial plan. Every paycheck, we'll see what happens. Let's hope that I can get through the next two weeks until the next paycheck. That is how I lived for most of my twenties, definitely living outside of my means. I also hated the word budget. I thought that was for people that were really restrictive. I thought the word budget meant you had to give up everything you love and you would have to just eat like rice and beans every day or noodles, not talk to anybody, be a hermit. And that obviously did not sound appealing to me. And so I just thought budgeting is not for me. I also thought the rich and wealthy were assholes. I thought money caused more problems. Money is too much responsibility. If I have more, other people are going to suffer and I'm just not meant to have a lot. 
if I can scrape by, then that's great. And if not, hopefully I can find someone to help me out or use my credit card. And those were like the basis of my beliefs for a very, very long time. And this also came from parental conditioning, from friends, from work, from where you grow up, right? What I'm about to tell you throughout this whole story is my personal lived experience and what's worked for me. So just because it works for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you, right? I come from a zip code where I am more privileged. I come from a family where we did have more privilege. We were in the middle class and sometimes upper middle class. So what I'm walking you through may not be your life experience. And I don't expect you to take everything from this podcast away and apply it to your own life and say, oh my gosh, you know, why isn't it working for me? But I do think it would help for me to talk about it, to open up the conversation around money, because maybe there is something in this podcast that will help you understand your own relationship with money. And maybe there's a tip or trick or tweak that might work. But I do want to acknowledge that everything I'm sharing is from my own experience. So like many people's parents, they grew up in an era where you had to work extremely hard, right? Extremely hard to get a new bonus, to get a promotion. That was the the times that they lived in was like working in construction and labor and like overworking and hustle mentality. And many of them grew up, not all, but many grew up in households where the wife didn't work or the wife was at home. So when you grow up with this conditioning that like men are the breadwinners and you have to work so, 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 so hard and, you know, pick a job that's very traditional and you make a lot of money. That's what you think. That's how you think the world works okay, well, that's how the world works. You just get a really good job in one of like six fields and you work your ass off until you can retire. And then when you retire, you can enjoy your money. So a lot of it was like from societal stories that popped up. And then just also my parents having different beliefs around money. Like my dad came from a totally different family than my mother. And so seeing how they operated with money was also very different for me as a kid, because you see one parent that's a little more like restrictive and wants to budget. And then you see another parent that's like, woo, let's go shopping and like have fun. And so those conflicting beliefs were always like, well, which one's right? Like, what do you do? Do you spend money and have fun with it? Or do you tighten up and not spend money? So you have money for emergencies. Like basically the whole relationship I had with money was like a roller coaster. Like which one is it going to be today? Are we going to have to be on a budget or are we going to have like a shopping spree? And this basically continued for most of my adult life and going into my twenties, I always just thought wealth meant more problems because I would see people in my own life make a lot of money and then something would happen. Like their relationship with their children would deteriorate or something would happen. Like a business partner would screw them over or they would lose it in the stock market. So I just started to associate if you have a ton of money, something bad will happen to you. You will lose it. People will screw you over. People will come after you. You're in the spotlight more. So people are going to want to tear you down. Like these are all thoughts that I'm sure many of you can relate to. And that's what I felt for a very long time. Also, when I started traveling, it was very eye-opening to see areas where there was extreme wealth and then areas where there are extreme poverty. And it just, again, opened my eyes to money and what it means to people. And I think what I started to realize was like, I need to learn about money because I'm, I can't just sit here and expect my life with money to drastically change. I was one of those people that thought if I win the lottery, everything would be fine. If I just had a ton of money, I could like 
get everything in order. I could pay off debt. I could give back. And then I could just like live my life happy and comfortably. I just need a big chunk of money, like one or two times, and then I'll be okay. Like that was, those were really my thoughts around money. So I realized, okay, I need to start looking at this. And I kept hearing about you are a badass at making money by Jen Sincero. I think that's how you say her last name. And I think many of you have probably read that book because it was like kind of the intro book into money mindset. And that book radically changed my perspective because her story was so similar to what I had been experiencing. She was talking about feeling like weird for charging for her services and like living in someone's garage and getting discounts and coupons and everything. Now my situation wasn't that extreme, right? I was actually working in corporate America where I was making six figures at one point and I was living alone in a nice apartment by the water, able to go out every weekend, buy myself new clothes, get facials. So I didn't relate to that part, but I did relate to the mindset she had around money, which was like rich people are assholes. And if I make more, other people are suffering. And it was the first time I had seen it articulated in a way that I could really relate to. And something that really stood out to me and still stands out to me from that book was she talks about a story with her father where she mentioned that the way that he had shown her love was like giving her money or buying her things. And she thought if I ever make more money than my own father, or I make more money than my family, that relationship is going to go away because that's how we show each other love. That's how we connect. And I was like, wow, I never heard of that, but that kind of started making sense. Like, yeah, I am scared of making more money than my parents, or I am scared of making more money than certain people in my life, including a future partner, because I don't want to intimidate them. I don't want them to think that I'm trying to outshine them. I don't want to be the center of attention, like very limiting beliefs and thoughts around what money meant about my worth. So Jen's book really, again, started to change my perspective because it was the first time I had seen money talked about so openly. Now, also what happened when I was like reading this book was when I was making a lot of money, but I was noticing I was living paycheck to paycheck. It didn't make any sense. Like I was like, how is this happening? How am I making more money? But I'm still every single two weeks getting down to the scent of like, okay, hopefully I can make it through this weekend. And I just found out that when I made more, I spent more. So I still somehow find myself overdrafting, racking up credit card debt, overspending, and I had no handle on money. It was just like, it came into my account. I put aside what I needed to for like basic survival, like rent and food. And the rest was like, okay, let's again, see what happens. So when I went to Australia, this is about two years ago now, I had saved enough to not have to work for two months, but I also noticed after those two months, I quickly needed to get a job. So I ended up getting a job at a gelato shop. I ended up taking a free job at a yoga studio where I would just work for exchange where they would cover my expenses to travel there. So I was like getting experience and I wasn't having to pay for yoga classes because they were giving them to me for free, but I also wasn't making money. And then at some point, I also started working at a music agency doing social media. So I was working three jobs, all different hours, all different times of day. And it was literally just enough to live, drink, and sometimes travel. And I still had my credit card. 
One thing that I noticed throughout my time in Australia was that anything that I had paid off of my credit card in America, I had completely racked up again in Australia because again, I had no concept of like managing my money. It was just like, hopefully one day I'll get a big chunk and this will all be paid off. And that's how I operated. Like, I'm just waiting for that one big chunk to drop into my lap. One day it will come and I'll just be able to pay off all this credit card debt and everything will be fine. So that's how I kept operating. Now, If you all haven't listened to my episode about how I started my business, I would definitely go check that one out. It was a few episodes ago where I tell you, you know, what prompted me to start my business. But when I started to do my business, all this money stuff really started to come to a head because I was terrified. I mean, terrified of paying $15 for zoom unlimited. I was so scared to charge anybody, anything over $50. And as my credit card bill started getting higher, it just started to feel like this far away, distant thing that I would never be able to pay off. Like it would take me years and years and years. And I was so scared of that $15 zoom because at this point the pandemic had hit. And so none of my jobs were happening and I was nannying for accommodation. So I wasn't even making money. I was just not having to pay for anything in terms of like rent or food as I was working for accommodation. So obviously when I had to start paying for $15 for zoom, I was like, where am I going to get the money? I have to get clients. I've never tried to get clients. I don't know how to get clients. Where do you find clients? And I was like, "Uh, hopefully I can find one person and pay me $15 to cover that zoom expense. And so then I started realizing if I want to run a business and I'm scared of paying $15 for zoom unlimited, I really need to explore what's going on here. Like I cannot scale a business or be a six or seven figure business owner if I'm scared to pay for a $15 software. Now at this time, I really decided I want to create a course for the work that I was doing. I was like, I'm going to teach a course on self-development, like the power of journaling, of meditation, of reflection, all these things that have really helped me, but I didn't know how to put a course together And there was someone that had done that I had done a program with earlier in the year that they created a course around creating a course. So I was like, oh, well, this is perfect. Like, this is what I'm looking for. Now, this is where I want to be super transparent about money because I feel like transparency and context is missing so much in the coaching space. But this program was about $2,000. And so you're probably like, how on earth did you pay for a $2,000 program when you had like no money and you were nannying? Well, I used my credit card and I also asked for a payment plan. I said, can we split this up into two or three payments? So this is just like a small lesson weaved in here. See if you can work out a payment plan or something custom with the coach. If it's something that seems out of your budget. And that's now what I offer to my clients is if they can't pay within that certain month or the time frame of the coaching, I'm happy to offer an extended payment plan because I've been in those shoes before. And I know how much I would gain out of just having a payment plan. So it's really important for me now to offer payment plans to my clients. So something that was also going on during this time, because I started realizing how much I needed to work on money, I started to journal all the ways that money came to me without coming from an employer. For example, a tax refund, my 401k that was growing, any gifts that I was getting, any discounts on anything, like anything that was a coupon or percentage off anything. So I did this while nannying and it really started to open my eyes to how much I was actually energetically making, not just from one source. And I actually did an Instagram TV about this. It's on my non-expert opinion podcast page, the Instagram page, excuse me. I did a two part 
video about this and I did it while I was nannying. So this whole story I'm telling you, I basically documented so you can go check that out on the Instagram. And it really helped me understand. I don't have to wait for one person, like one client or one employer to give me money. I can generate money. And it really ignited something within me to like generate my own money. Again, this also was coming from like a place of survival because I started thinking, wait a second, once this pandemic is over and let's say they're like, we don't need a nanny anymore. You can go ahead and fly home. I needed to have money to be able to travel out of there and buy food and have a roof over my head. So a lot of this like ignition that I'm talking about and things that were happening inside came from like, holy shit, I need to get this off the ground and make this work. So I paid for that course program and I started investing in a few more programs just to like learn different things that I felt I needed skills around. And my mindset there was like, I am definitely going to make this back. Maybe not immediately, but I am putting so much on the line that I am going to make this work. And now I've learned throughout the years that I am a high risk taker. I don't dwell on things that don't work. And I honestly choose not to even entertain that option. I pretty much make the only option to make it work. When I invest in something, that's my mindset. The only option is to make this work. So when I had spent thousands of dollars on that course creation program, I knew I'm not just going to sit around and let this program collect dust and not watch the modules or do any work. I need to get to fucking action. (laughs) I need to take action. So I started watching the videos, joining the live calls, creating the course, taking the steps to market it, et cetera, like getting all the foundations in place. And at this time, the money that I was having to live started coming in from different sources, like my tax refund, my retirement fund in Australia. I could actually access that without any penalty because of COVID. I got a stimulus check and I wasn't paying for rent. So when people are like, how, again, how did you buy that program? I use my credit card, but I also had some money coming in from different sources from again, government help tax refunds, et cetera. And again, my only costs were food. So I really didn't have that much in living expenses. So my whole motivation in making this work was, okay, I got to get out. I got to fly. I need to make money. I need to get out of here at some point. So the course launch happens and I make more money than I ever have in my adult life. The spots were around $500 and I sold, I think around 20 spots. And I was like, holy shit, (laughs) holy shit was like my thought process. To give more context, the previous two or three months, the only way I was generating an income was I was teaching Zoom yoga classes for like $15. And then sometimes I tried to do like little bundles and packages and see if people wanted to buy those. But every month I was netting around anywhere from like $300 to $500 to $700. So to all of a sudden see one person just pay me $500, I was like, this is insane. And I was so excited and people kept signing up. Like all of a sudden the next day, two people would sign up. Then three days later, three people would sign up. Then the week before my course, 12 people signed up. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I started to panic. I was like, holy shit. How am I going to be able to handle 20 people? What am I going to do with all this money? This must be a fluke. This is a one-time thing. And I was also developing like a very desperate sense of replying to people. Like I basically had this thought, if I don't answer them right away, I'm going to lose that sale and I need to lock them in within the hour. So there was a roller coaster of emotions. 
And the reason I'm telling you this is because remember, I had told you, I'm just waiting for this big chunk of money to come in and pay off all my debt. That happened. And I was flipping out. (laughs) I was like, wait a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is a lot of money. And when you see that money, rarely does it happen that you're like, okay, time to just move it all to my debt. I was like, wait, no, no, no. I want to use this money to now invest back into my business. So I won't be scared of, you know, upgrading my zoom plan. I can get a graphic designer. I can buy a course platform to host my course. I can hire more freelancers like, okay, I need to set aside money for that. I also need to set a little bit aside to pay off debt. And I also want to enjoy this money. Like I just worked hard for it. I want to be able to go out to eat and drink and get massages. So when I got that big chunk of money, I did not use it to pay off all my debt. And I started to realize like how unsafe I felt with money because here comes all this money. And here I am thinking it's going to solve all my problems. And all of a sudden I just feel this sense of panic and I'm like, holy shit, I don't know how to use money. And it really fed this whole belief. Like I'm not good with money. I'm irresponsible. I'm financially illiterate. See, I, I got the money and I don't even know what to do with it. And I was like, I don't know. I just realized money is like getting this big chunk of money is not going to solve all my problems because I don't know what to do with it. And I've never truly understood how to manage it. Now, at the same time, I also realized the power of investing in myself. Because when I had put that $2,000 on the line for the course, I showed up so much differently. Before that, I was listening to free podcasts, free YouTube videos, a million digital downloads. I mean, you should see my desktop at one point. It was like a million digital downloads and guides of how to launch, how to do this, how to do that. And I realized that money was not only an energetic commitment to the program, but I really needed live support and real feedback in a community. So when I invested that money, it wasn't just to like watch the videos and get the information. It was so I could be in a community where I knew people were going through the same thing as me. It was so that I could get live support and feedback from the mentors that I was investing in. It was so that I was held accountable. And I noticed, whoa, when I put that $2,000 down and then made almost basically $10,000 back, holy shit, that's the power of investing in yourself. You show up differently. All the courses that I took, because I took a lot before that were like $55, a hundred dollars, or, you know, a free YouTube video or free podcast. And I just wasn't applying it the same because I had no skin in the game, so to speak. So while I was panicking, I was also realizing the power of investing. And I always, I also realized how much I spent on myself when I made that money, which at first I didn't regret it because I was like, well, I generated this and I should be able to enjoy the fruits of my labor. At the same time, this was also feeding that belief that I can't handle large amounts of money. And that panic that I had, it was turning into a justification for spending on myself because I just wanted to see the money almost like out of my bank account subconsciously. And I know this sounds kind of crazy, but maybe you can relate. Like I felt like when it was in my account, I need to spend it and get it out of my hands because I don't want to be responsible for it. So I wouldn't even let the money sit in my account for a week. I literally would let it clear and I would spend it like a few days later. So yes, part of me was like, oh, I'm just using it on myself. And of course I'm enjoying the fruits of my labor. And the other part of that was like, holy shit, get this money out of my bank account. I don't want to manage it. I just want to like see it gone. Now, obviously that is a recipe for disaster to manage your money that way. And I knew there is no way that I'm going to be able to run a six or seven figure business 
if that's how I'm treating money and that's how I'm managing it. Because if I made around $10,000 and that's how I managed it, how am I going to manage a hundred thousand dollars, $500,000, a million dollars. And my goal one day is to become a millionaire. And I can honestly say that now on this podcast, I used to be so scared of saying that, like, I'm going to trigger people. People are going to think I'm an asshole. People are going to think I only want to climb to the top and like step on other people. And I'm like, Oh my God, no, no, no. Now I've learned so much about money. I can't wait to make more because I can give more. And that's a lesson I'm going to get to in a second about what I've actually learned throughout all this. But the whole belief I had was get it out of my hands. I can't manage it. And I need to fix this because this is obviously not scalable. So this is when I started really focusing on money healing and almost making this internal commitment to myself to declare the next year, the year about money. So if I was going to invest in a course or a program or a one-on-one coach, it was going to be about money. It was not going to be a program to launch or a program to work on sales or a program about journaling or any of that. I was like, no, I need to make sure I focus on money because this is clearly the core of where my issues are stemming from. And it's a domino effect. This was not like, oh, money is separate from my business and money is separate from my relationships and my spirituality. It was like, no, money is very much interweaved with all these things. So I need to dedicate a lot of time to figuring this out. So I said, the next year, all I'm going to do is focus on money. I got medium readings around money. I got tarot card readings around money. I started buying money courses, reading money books. I started to listen to more money podcasts. I was actively searching for podcasts that talked about this. If you all know Catherine Zankina of Manifestation Babe, she has incredible podcasts on money and how like money and spirituality mixed together and what she's done with her own money. And she was just so open and honest that I was like, wow, this is the first time I've heard a woman that is her age. She's younger than me. She must be, I don't know, maybe in her late twenties now that is so empowered with her money and doing such incredible things that it started to shift my mindset about like what making more money meant. I also took Jenna Black's course called Money Queen. Jenna's been on the show. I took Natalia Benz's course called Heal Your Money. She's coming on the show soon. Her course was incredible. I bought The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles, I think, which is funny because Jen Sincero mentions this book in her You Are a Badass book. You Are a Badass at Making Money. She talks about how the book The Science of Getting Rich like triggered her. And so it was so funny when I started reading it. I was like, wow, I could see how if this was your very first money book, you would be really triggered. But I only started reading it about two months ago, about half a year later, getting into my own money journey. So it's a whole different perspective now, which is really interesting. And I started to reread You Are a Badass at Making Money because it was such a huge game changer for me. One of the biggest breakthroughs I started to have around money was when I joined Tori Washington's House of Wealth Embodiment. And it's interesting because my friend Jenna Miller, who you guys have heard on this show, if you've taken a course with me, she's usually a collaborating partner because I absolutely love her work. And Jenna always focuses on embodiment. And Jenna had always told me like so much stuff lives in your body and wants to move through the body, but I could never understand how that related to money. I was like, that, that just doesn't comprehend. That doesn't make sense to me. How could like my relationship to money or just talking about money live in my body? Like that was not computing. When I joined Tori's membership, 
that's when I started realizing what Jenna was talking about, that there is so much trauma and unresolved feelings and all these things that live in your body. And with Tori's whole membership, I didn't know what to expect. I actually took a free class before I even joined her membership that was talking about wealth embodiment. And I was like, okay, embodiment means in your body, wealth, embodiment, wealth in your body. I don't get what we're going to do. Like, are we going to do yoga? Are we going to be dancing? Like, I didn't understand how we were going to move our body. And she's developed this incredible custom practice that is a mix of movement and breathing. And it's every other week. And every single time I do it, I cry and I realize that it's a release and it's trauma being released through my body. Now I just use the word trauma and I want to bring something up about that word. I used to think trauma was someone in my family just died. I got in a car crash and I can't walk. You know, my, the love of my life cheated on me, like very big, major life events. So I always considered myself like, Oh, I don't have a lot of trauma. Like no one in my immediate family is sick or dying. I've never been cheated on. I've never, I, I just really was thinking about it. I'm like, I don't feel like I have any trauma, which is like almost laughable now because everybody has trauma. And I realized, wait, no, there are actually a lot of traumatic things that have happened to me with money that I've just overlooked because it wasn't enough to like put me out on the streets, but it was causing trauma. For example, overdrafting in public in front of my friends, my card getting declined in public at a restaurant, having to ask my dad for money and feeling shame or embarrassed about that, not being able to book a trip or something with friends or overcompensating and acting like I could do it and using my credit card and then feeling a lot of shame around using my credit card as well as other personal life events within my family that, yeah, I started to realize, wait, I do have trauma around money as do most people. If you grow up in a household where your parents were like, don't buy anything new and, you know, stop spending money on nice food and don't buy anything for yourself. Like those can all be traumatic if it's going against what you believe because you're like, oh, well then I must be wrong or I must be dumb or I must be stupid or I must be whatever. If my parents are telling me this, then of course I'm going to think that I'm wrong or dumb or whatever the case is. So I started realizing, no, 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 I do have trauma around money and no wonder in Tori's classes, I'm feeling all this release because clearly it's been locked up somewhere in my body and I just didn't know about it. So Tori's house of wealth embodiment has been really, really helpful with letting it go. And I do have to be honest with you all. There are days where I don't want to do it. Like there are times where I don't want to do her class because I'm like, holy shit, it's almost scary to see that side of myself. And I'd rather like avoid it, which is what most people do, right? Most people will say, well, I just don't want to look at my bank account. I don't want to open up my credit card statement. I don't really want to sit down and look at all my numbers because your nervous system sees all that as change. And change is like the ultimate threat to your ego. Your ego wants to protect you. So your ego is like, no, 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 no. We've been fine. We've made it through, you know, 10 years of scraping by and overdrafting and being messy with money. Who cares? You can make it through 20 more years. Just like live with as little as possible. We're good. We don't need to be looking at money and your credit cards and all these things. And so there are still times with Tori's classes and even some of these courses where I'm like, Ooh, I don't want to do the journaling exercise. I don't want to do the breath work. I don't want to read that book. And I know it's not necessarily me thinking that it's my ego being like, no, we don't want to change. But I've really started to unravel that and understand 
why would I want to scrape by for the rest of my life when I can actually do more good with money than I can without it? So this is stuff I'm still working on, right? Like when I'm doing this episode right now, this isn't me on the other side of it. Like, woo, I did it. And you can too. There's still a lot of stuff that I'm working through, but there's also a lot of stuff that I have resolved. So after the course that I launched, I want to get back to that whole thing. I enrolled a few women into my one-on-one, which is my high ticket offer. So it's thousands of dollars and two women signed up and paid in full. And I was like, holy shit, panicked again. And I was like, okay, now we're in a whole different playing field. Now I don't have 20 women paying me around $500. I have a few women paying me thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars. Like I just kept really hyping up like thousands of dollars. Oh my God. Holy shit. This is a lot of money. What if I sign 10 more women? That's even more money. And you would think that that would motivate me to make more money, but I honestly shut down. I was like, it started to bring up those feelings again. I'm like, I can't manage large amounts of money. And so I started to freak out. I was like, I don't want to enroll more one-on-one women. I don't want to promote anything. I don't want to do another course. And so for the months of like October through December of 2020, I didn't know what to do. I was like, should I just do another group course? Should I do a one-on-one? Should I like just do something different, like write a book or make a digital download? And you know what it was? I was avoiding making large amounts of money because I was scared I would fuck things up. And this is where the perfectionist and people pleaser part of me started to come into play that I had never realized. Honestly, even right now, I didn't realize it until the last like two months. I was scared if I made another $10,000 that I would fuck it up, that it would all leave my hands, that I would spend it the wrong way, that I would invest it the wrong way, that I would invest in the wrong people. Like I didn't trust myself to make sound decisions with money. So instead of attracting it more, I was like, well, I'm just going to stop promoting my work. (laughs) So I'm going to like not take on any more one-on-one clients. I'm not going to develop a group course. And when I run out of this money that these women paid me, then maybe I'll enroll someone else. But that was my thought process for real was like, I'm just not going to promote anything because I am terrified of making more money again because I don't want to fuck it up. So literally, if you go to my Instagram or anything through like October through December, I don't remember promoting anything because I don't think I was. I maybe was doing like small meditation classes or like a few yoga clients, but I was not actively promoting my coaching because I was so terrified of making more money. Now through all these courses that I was taking, things started to click. And I also started working with a financial coach named Chiyama. She's been on this podcast and she reflected a lot back to me in a way that I had never heard anyone reflect back to me before. She was really the catalyst in me getting deeper with my money beyond money affirmations, beyond, you know, just like counting my money every day or looking at my bank account. She was noticing very small self-sabotage patterns or even big ones that I was creating for myself. For example, I was very resistant to create a budget which you would think, okay, well, if you're scared of money, why wouldn't you create a budget so you can know where your money goes? It all goes back to change. I didn't want to change. So I was very scared to create a budget. I felt restricted. I felt like my life would change and I just didn't want to do it. I also felt really weird when I had spent $40 on nice mushroom coffee because coffee now (laughs) makes me crazy. It feels like I popped five Adderalls. So I was like, I need mushroom coffee as an alternate. And it was like 40 bucks for like a pack of 10. And at that point I had made like $5,000 in a month 
And I was terrified to spend $40 on mushroom coffee because I was like, wow, that's irresponsible. $40 on coffee, like just suck it up and drink something else. And Chiama pointed that out to me. Like, wait, 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 you just made $5,000 and you don't want to invest $40 back into your own health. Like you're actually making a swap because coffee is not working with you. So you're finding a better alternate. And now you're justifying your decision to not buy it. And I was like, wow, I never realized that. I was also realizing, well, she was realizing how flexible I was with like people canceling me on me all the time, people rescheduling last minute, paying late, me chasing client payments down. Like these were really small habits that I didn't think were a big deal. But as we always know, like the smallest things start to add up to the biggest things. And so all these like small, tiny patterns that she was pointing out or habits, I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot more that I need to work on. Again, that was beyond the money journaling and money affirmations because this was stuff that I really needed to take responsibility for and actively change. So I had to tell clients like, hey, you know, you always are rescheduling last minute. Is there a reason for that? Do we need to like figure out another time? Are you just like fearful for showing up for the calls? Like what's going on here? That's not an easy conversation to have. By the way, half my clients are my friends. My business is barely a year old. I think it turns a year old in like a few weeks. I need to, I don't know if I consider it like the day I filed my LLC or the day that I like made a lot of money. I need to like pick what my anniversary is. But outside of that fact, some of my clients are my friends. So it's also weird to have these conversations with clients that were either like friends or old coworkers, sometimes even family members. Like I remember my aunt wanted to buy a a package of yoga classes for me and I charged her and I was like, holy shit, should I not have charged her? Like, this is weird. Wait, no, like I still need to be compensated for my work. So there's a lot of like very uncomfortable things that I had to do to take responsibility for how money was playing a role in my life. Now, Chiama was such a catalyst for that, but it was also a lot to take in because I was like, this is a lot. (laughs) Like, do I want to make money? Maybe I should go get a corporate job and just be safe with my like biweekly paycheck. Maybe I'm not meant for entrepreneurship. Maybe I don't want to have these conversations with clients. Maybe I don't want to charge thousands of dollars. Like I was just spinning into a spiral of doubt. And this was a lot of what I was reflecting on in most of late 2020, which is why that whole period of October through December, I didn't do much because I was like taking all this in and trying to implement and digest and apply it. And it was it was a lot. I'm not going to lie. Like I was going through a lot of emotions. I was really trying to reconcile my relationship with money and understand my part in it because I realized too, I didn't want to be a victim and be like, Oh, money's so evil and money's bad. And you know, the, the government should tell us more and our education system should have done a better job. Yes. All those things are true. I do think we could be a, a way, we could have a way better system around managing money, but I wasn't going to keep playing that story over and over in my head. I was like, I need to take the time out of my day to figure out my budget and living expenses. I need to figure out how much I want to put into my business. I need to figure out if this is something I want to do. And that's a scary place to be if you've never been in it before, because you start to realize I am the creator of my reality. And if I want to generate my own money, I need to figure this shit out. So I finally created a money management system, which in other terms is a budget, but I just don't like that word. And I started to realize too, with money, just start using words that you like. 
So for me, the word budget felt so restrictive and like not fun and just like really down in my body. It was like, Oh, budget. When I heard the word money management system, I was like, that doesn't even sound like the word budget. That sounds actually really empowering, like money management system. That's what a boss would do. That's what someone in charge of their money would do is they would manage it and make it a system. So I sat down and I finally figured out what do I need to do to live? How much do I need for my business expenses? I know this sounds crazy, but like, I never knew that stuff. I would pray and hope to God that my business expenses would come out of my account and I would just like be safe for the month and they wouldn't overdraft my account. I had no idea when any of the charges would come through. I didn't separate my business account at all. So these are all like learning lessons as you are building a business too. I didn't separate any of that. And I wish I would have because I was mixing so much of my money together that I was like, again, I had no clue where my money was going. Everything was just a very complex system that I was like, hoping we get by, hoping we don't overdraft. So it wasn't until the money management system that it took so much pressure off of myself because I finally had a purpose for every dollar. Every single dollar had a place to go. So the money management system to give you some insight is you can do this as a percentage or as a dollar amount, but you just break up what your income is into buckets. So for example, my buckets, like after I pay about 30% or put away about 30% for taxes, which this will also change depending on where you live, because I file in Florida because I'm from there. So obviously this is not like your tax amount is going to change based on where you live and what country you live in. But after that, then I put a specific percentage to every bucket where I need money in my life. So here's just an example, 20% to pay off my credit card. 50% to business expenses, 10% for money on myself, like whatever I want, like clothes, nails, facial, whatever, 10% to savings and 10% to donations to just give back. So after that's all added up, you actually do it post-tax, it's 100%. So let me repeat that. I put away the money for taxes and then post-tax, I break out percentages that equal 100%. Now, when I first heard about this, I was like, well, I don't even know if I'm going to have money to pay rent next month. How the fuck am I going to put 10% away for fun money and playing around and donations and all these things when I usually scramble till the end of the month to pay rent? And so then I realized you can start out this system by using a dollar amount. So, okay, first build up your living account put like three to six months away for a living. Now, once that's filled, okay, maybe now you build up your savings to a thousand dollars of emergency savings. Okay. Now that bucket's filled. Now we can go to like business expenses, whatever the case is. Right. Also, I think this is like worth saying, if you're an entrepreneur, you are going to have financial risks. That is literally the definition of what being an entrepreneur is go look it up, go pause this and go look up the definition of entrepreneur. It is someone that takes different financial risks. So I knew going into entrepreneurship, there are probably going to be a few mistakes I make with my money. Maybe I hire the wrong person. Maybe I buy a software that I don't need. Maybe I spend too much money on a software I don't need. Like, I don't know, but I just expected, okay, yeah, that's going to happen. And so that's why I had my credit card to be able to kind of prepare for those financial risks. So when you're going into entrepreneurship, 
I'm not the type of person that's like, woo, just quit your job and see what happens. Even though I did that, I did that out of, again, survival. I didn't really have a choice almost. Like, I guess I did have a choice, but my choice was to choose to start my business during the pandemic. I could have not started it and just chilled around for like three months and then just use my credit card to fly home. But I was so motivated to generate my own income that that's what started my business. But when people come to me and they're like, oh, I don't have any savings. I I don't make like any money, but I want to start my own business. I actually think you should have some type of safety net or credit card access or access to funds from a family member or friend or something so that you don't fall flat on your face when you start entrepreneurship because you will take financial risks or that you have a credit score or access to take out a loan or a new credit card or something. Because again, being an entrepreneur, you will face financial risks. Things will cost more than you think. Software will cost more than you think. People will cost more than you think. And of course you can get strategic about this, which is what I finally did. But in the beginning I was like, holy shit, I don't even know how much my business expenses are. I don't know what day they come out. I don't know what, like, I don't even know. I just had no, no concept of that. So the money management system forced me to look at that, to be like, Chelsea, go through every single subscription. Do you need this subscription? Can you update the payment terms in terms of like, can you pay annually and save money? Do you actually need this or does another software do this? These were all things that I had to sit down and do one day. And then I actually put every time an expense comes out, I put that on the calendar. So I literally will have like the subscription on whatever, like April 30th, this payment is going to come out of your account. So I know what's happening. And now it feels so different because I have so much visibility into how my money is being used and operated and circulated in the way that I created. I used to basically let money control me. And now I control my money, right? I want to repeat that. My money would come into my account and I would let it control me. Oh, oh God. Okay. I have to put a little bit away for rent. And then hopefully I have enough to like go out to eat and maybe get my nails done. And like, we'll see what happens where now it's like, I am so intentional. If I make a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, 10,000, whatever, I use this money management system because it's so easy. It's like, boop, boop, boop. It's a system. I don't have to think about it anymore. Where before I would panic every time because I was like, I don't know where to put this money. Now that panic is gone because I've created certainty. Look, this chunk is going in debt relief. This one's going to business expenses. This one's going to savings. So it completely calmed my nervous system down because it's like, you know what to do with your money. It took off so much pressure. It also took off the pressure to pay off my credit card debt because I made a debt relief bucket. And before that, it felt so out of reach to pay off my debt. I was like, how am I going to do that? Again, I thought I would just get a big chunk of money and pay it off. And I started to realize through a lot of my mentors too, that that's actually not sustainable. And I would always make the assumption that these coaches that make so much money had no credit card debt or no student loan debt. And when they started opening up about that, that really helped me because I had put them on such a pedestal of like, oh my God, they make $10,000 a month. They're so lucky. They have no debt. They don't even know what it's like to be in debt. And most of them were like, oh no, like I have my own coaches on credit cards. I've invested so much money into my business. I had to take out a loan. I have a ton of student loan debt. And I was like, oh, okay. And I'm, I'm not trying to like normalize debt here, but it just made me realize, okay, this whole idea that I need to pay off this huge chunk of credit card debt within like two or three months, that's not even realistic or sustainable. 
because what I was doing at one point, I was using every dollar to go back into my credit card. Then I wouldn't actually have cash to pay for things. So then I would just use my credit card again. So then it would start this whole shame spiral around my credit score. And what really helped me with my credit score shame was realizing a, it's not a public thing right? No one's like advertising their credit score. No one cares unless they're like just trying to flex. It's just not a public thing. It could easily change, right? If I just make a few payments on time, if I pay more than the minimum, then my credit score could change. And what really helped me was like at this exact point in my life, my credit score is not something that I desperately needed to fix. So I'm not in the market right now for a home. I don't need a car. I won't be needing those things for a while. I know I'm going to be traveling internationally for a while. I also had realized that the credit score that I thought I needed to, like, let's say I did need a car right now, I actually would be okay. And so I started to take off this pressure on myself to like pay off this huge chunk of debt and make my debt relief plan. And I was like, oh, this completely changes the game. And funny enough, my credit score actually rose when I had a debt relief plan. Yeah, I'm not paying off a huge, huge chunk of it, but I put about 20% now to debt relief and my credit score is going up. So that's the motivation I need to keep my money management system in place is like things are actually changing and moving. And now I feel like every part of my life is accounted for. I used to think, okay, well this month I made this, I didn't make as much. So I just need to like not eat out this month and be a hermit. And then the next month I would make a lot of money and be like, okay, this is the month that I'm going to splurge and spend. Okay. But next month I'm not going to make a lot. So we just need to like cut it back. And I'm like, that's not a way to live. Like a roller coaster is not good for your nervous system. Your nervous system loves homeostasis, hates change, doesn't like things to be disrupted. So I needed to create structure for myself. And that's where the money management system came into place. Now, outside of the money management system, completely changing my relationship to money, I also had very serious and hard conversations with my boyfriend and my parents. My boyfriend, he's never been judgmental. And I was scared that he would be judgmental for the investments I was making into myself with coaching and courses. And he would see me panicking sometimes, right? Like there were times where I was like, Hey, I don't know if I can pay rent on time, or I don't know if I'm going to be able to like split the groceries or whatever the case is. Because again, I was so messy with my money. I never like actually set aside buckets for money to do all these things that I got so used to scrambling that at one point when I made the decision to invest five figures into a coach that I'm working with, I was like, he's going to think I'm a fucking idiot. Like he's going to be like, why would you use that money on a coach? You could have paid off debt. You could have saved for this, this, and this. And I told him how scared I was of, of him saying that. And he was like, I don't care what you do with your money. It's your money, your life. Like you can do whatever you want with your money. And I don't want you to think I'm ever judging you. And that was a very healing conversation because for so long I had made up this whole story that my boyfriend thinks I'm an idiot for investing into myself when I have credit card debt and student loan debt. And once I had that conversation, it was like, wow, I don't need to play that story over and over again. Like movie over. (laughs) I don't need to replay that movie anymore because it's not real. I also had this very weird fear of making more money than my father. That was similar to what Jen Sincero talked about in her book was because I thought I would lose some connection with him because the way that he had always helped me throughout my twenties was giving me money when I was in a bind, when I was short on rent or I needed grocery money or, you know, something would happen to my car. Of course he was like, sure, I'll help you out. So I thought, wait, if I make more money, my relationship with him is going to change because he's not going to be able to help me out. 
I thought I would lose friends. I thought I would become snobby or arrogant. I thought my social circle would change. And after having so many conversations, and I'm talking like multiple conversations, lots of crying, lots of spiritual reflection, journaling, joining communities and courses and investing in coaches that I can move through all this with, that's what ultimately started to transform my relationship with money. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast. I will never, ever say that I did this all alone because I didn't. It's been with the mentors, the authors, the coaches, the personal relationships that I have in my life that I've gotten to this point. This wasn't just me journaling for five minutes a day, doing money meditations and affirmations that got me here. This is like very serious reflection. And I think one of the biggest turning points was when I had that conversation with my parents, because again, all the assumptions I had been making about money were assumptions. Oh, I'm assuming that this is going to go bad. I'm assuming my boyfriend thinks I'm an idiot if I spend money on my coaching. I am assuming that people are going to think I'm an asshole if I make more money. Instead of just straight up asking people and having conversations, that's what I was assuming all day was like, I'm wrong. People are going to be mad, blah, blah, blah. So all the conversations turn that ship around. Like that's actually not true. And quite the opposite was true. My parents were like, hell yeah, we want you to make more money than us. Like that's the point of raising a child is like, so they do better than you. Of course we want you to make more money. And my boyfriend being like, I don't give a shit what you do with your money. I was like, oh, all these stories I've been playing over and over in my head. I don't have to play anymore. What a relief. So that was probably the biggest game changer on top of money management systems and having mentors and coaches like Chiama and Tori Washington that pointed out different ways that money was showing up in my life. So now what I've healed, we've talked a lot about what I've done to get to this point, but I think it's important to sum it up of like what I've healed and what I'm still working on. So one of the beliefs I had was that making more money will make you an asshole. And now I understand that that is not true. Money amplifies who you are. So I've always been a generous person. Like even when I'm broke, I will still buy people nice birthday gifts. Or even when I'm like in a bind, I will still find a way to give back. So when I made more money this year, I was actually able to do more with it. I was able to make someone's day by buying them flowers I was able to make donations to causes I believe in, buy people coffee, lunch, et cetera, buy nice birthday gifts. And the less money I made, then the more selfish I became, right? The the most selfish I am is when I'm broke. I can't think about anybody else when I can't pay my rent or bills or, or buy groceries. When all that stuff is taken care of, I'm like, Ooh, okay. We're out of the, you know, from drowning in whatever money pool I was in, I can come out and breathe and say, okay, good. All that stuff is taken care of. Now, who can I help? Who can I invest in? Who can I give back to? Who can I donate to? Who can I make their day? Like, that's what I focus on when I make more money. So this whole idea that making more money will make you an asshole is not true. It just amplifies who you are. I also have healed the thought that debt is bad. I always, always, always had a lot of shame around my credit card debt and using it. Even though it would bring me so many amazing things, I would just feel bad when I saw how much I had racked up. Even that term racked up, right? That just sounds negative. And I started to reflect on this through the help of so many coaches and courses was like, my debt has actually brought me some of the biggest moments in my life. I would have never been able to stay in Australia if I didn't have my credit card. My credit card got me through the last month of being in Australia. And throughout being in Australia, I met Nick. So I would have never met Nick if I didn't stay in the hostel that I was putting on a credit card 
because I would have had to fly home because I had no money. I was able to fly to Germany with my credit card. I was able to put so many business expenses on it, hire an amazing graphic designer, website designers, freelancers, etc. So I was able to get my biz off the ground with my credit card. I was able to hire incredible coaches. And something that really helped me with the credit card fees when you get like an interest fee, which Chiama helped me with this was thinking of it as the cost of the service for using the credit card or reframing it. Like it's the subscription bill or, a, or just the bill for using it. And that really made a lot of sense to me because it was so funny. The relationship I had with credit cards was like, Oh, you know, you can use it to bring you amazing things. But then once you use it and your credit score drops now, fuck credit cards, debt is bad. So it was so weird how like the roller coaster with credit cards was always happening. So when Chiama said, well, think about it, you're using the credit card, they're giving you money for free, basically. So the way they make money is by the cost of using it when you're not paying it. So think of it as like a bill or a subscription. I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And so I stopped looking as fees as like, Oh fuck these credit card companies. Like, you know, they're just trying to bring you down. It was like, well, no, I've borrowed thousands of dollars from this credit card company. The least I could pay is whatever the hundred dollar fee for using it. So I want to be clear too, in case I haven't been clear at all. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not an expert. I don't have my background in finance. Like this is just stuff that's worked for me and how I've been able to reframe and heal my relationship to money. So if you're listening to this and you're like, this is horrible advice, you should always pay off your credit card, but you know, a hundred percent. And you know, you should never try to like, these are just things that have worked for me. And I always encourage you to do what works for you. There are some people in my life who have like made credit card debt relief, their number one priority and student loans. And that's all they focus on for years was to focus on that and choose to sacrifice a little bit to, to pay all that off. So now they're out of the deep end with debt and they're like, I'm good. There's some people that in their lives will be like, who cares? I'll figure that out later. I'm going to just live my life now. And then in a few years, I'll start to focus on that. So this is all a personal preference and what works for me may not work for you, but this reframe really helped me. Another thing that I've healed is thinking that I can't handle large amounts of money. And that is totally false. The money management system has changed this thought for me because again, it doesn't matter if I make a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars. This system is in place as structure to give each and every dollar a purpose. So now I feel very safe with money. I don't have to spend it to get out of my hands because it all has a bucket to go to. And what I realized too, is I wasn't giving myself enough credit for how much money I used to handle in my old job. My old job was all about sales. We talked about money every day. That was literally what sales is, is creating proposals with money and budgets and asking clients what their budget was. And so I realized I really need to let go of the story that I'm not educated about money and understand that just the way I was able to learn about everything else in my life, I could learn about money. Like, why would I put money in this separate room? Like, oh, I can learn about a new language or traveling or my job, but all of a sudden money comes up and I can't learn about it. No, I can learn about it just like I learned about every other topic in my life. And so I started to release that thought that I can't handle large amounts of money. Another thought that I had was that I am financially illiterate. And I used to feel so dumb about that. Like, how do I invest? I don't understand 401ks or Roth IRAs. I don't understand credit cards. And I would just tell this story in my, in my head over and over again. I'm bad with money. I don't understand it. It's a language I will never be able to speak. And I had to realize that 
there were so many things that I had done that were financially literate that I wasn't giving myself credit for. For example, I opened a 401k when I first started my job when I was like 23. So it's been in place for seven years now and it's doing very well. So technically I actually am an investor. I'm investing in my future and I have a 401k and understand it. I also never go above my credit card limit. I look at my bank account all the time, which is something that I've heard people are like, no, I'm too scared to open my bank account. I don't want to look. And so I had to give myself credit for like, I actually do look at my numbers and I realize I need to focus on what I am doing well to keep me motivated to keep going versus thinking like, oh, I'm just dumb and I don't understand finances. No, take the time to carve out all the ways that you are financially literate and highlight those and just keep focusing on that. So now I do not think I'm financially illiterate. I think I'm in a phase where I'm learning to become financially empowered. And the more I learn about it, the more I want to keep learning and the more I am able to do with it. The last thing I've learned is that I used to think if I made more, others would suffer. I would think that again, I'm like taking from something. I would think there's this set amount. So if I'm making it all, then other people are not getting enough and people are suffering, which in reality is false. The more I make, the more I can give back and there's less suffering. So just an example of like things I've been able to give back to, I've been able to give money to someone that was filing for bankruptcy. I've been able to buy my clients nice gifts. I've been able to make people's day with nice presents, buy someone lunch who was having a really hard time in life, give someone money for helping me on Instagram, donating it to causes I believe in, hiring people that I really believe in and giving them money and stability, paying friends for their work instead of just expecting them to give it to me for free, paying artists, etc. So the more I make, the more good I can do. And when I think really, really big, okay, I'm thinking like if I'm a multimillionaire or billionaire, I was like, what would I do with that money? It's not just, I think there's this misconception. Like when you make more, you just become obsessed with like designer things like, Oh, if I'm a millionaire, I'm going to travel in a private jet and wear Gucci and stay in nice hotels. I'm like, no, you can be a millionaire and live in like the middle of a desert. You can be a millionaire and live in a farmhouse and just want to give all your money away. Like you can do so much with your money. And so when I think really, really big, I'm like, I would love to have a center or a program or a foundation or something that helps young girls develop confidence and go after what they want to go after in their life and focus on holistic healing, teaching them about breath work, about meditation, about journaling, and even about money management to empower them to use their money wisely. And guess what? I can't do that without money. Yes, I could probably get kind of far and put something together, but I can't scale and hire the right people and get the right teams in place and do the right marketing and all that stuff without having money. So when I'm barely making enough, I'm only focusing on survival, but when I'm making more, I'm focused on giving and enjoying the fruits of my labor. So now I no longer believe that if I make more others suffer, I think when I make more others thrive because I'm able to circulate that money back into the community. Now with everything in life, this is an ongoing life lesson. So there are still things that I'm working through. Some of those are thinking that big months only happen once in a blue moon. So I just had a really big month in business and I'm like, oh my gosh, that was a one-time thing. I don't know if that's going to happen again. And it's because again, it was such a disruption in my pattern that my mind is like, oh no, like don't do that again. Don't let, that's a big alert. That's a threat. And that's something I'm trying to unlearn. 
Also the feeling of scrambling. This is my default setting for so, so long that I am really trying to unlearn it. And it's a process. I got so used to scrambling last minute to like come up with money to pay rent or pay for bills or pay somebody back that I I got so used to that, that my brain started to think, well, this is just how you are. Like that's, that's your nature. So to now be able to have actual money in the bank that is saved and accounted for is a process that I'm learning. Like it's safe. It's okay. I don't need to spend it. And I think it's a, an ongoing process, but something I'm getting much better at. And I'm so happy that I now have the money management system in place because I don't feel like I have to scramble. Debt is something that I'm working on in terms of like the score Because for example, when my score raised, I was so ecstatic. And then when it dropped, I felt so much shame. And I was like, I don't want to be on that emotional roller coaster with debt. I want to learn how to neutralize that feeling. And I will say it's much better than before. I used to be like very deeply emotional about it, like so embarrassed about it. And then like so proud when it was on on the up end and so negative when it was on the down end. And I'm like, I wanted to learn to neutralize this and understand it's always going to change. And I'm in a place where I am paying it off. So I don't need to beat myself up. And I'm proud of myself for having a plan to pay it off. That's something that I never used to have. So the fact that I've built this into my money management system is a huge, huge win. Now I'm trying to think of books that I've read that will really help you all. I talked about the, you are a badass at making money book by Jen Sincero. That one's amazing. Especially if you've never, ever, ever even heard of like money mindset, or you know that you want to work on money. This to me was like a very nice entry level book into understanding how money affects me and my life. I loved that one. I'm reading The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles right now, and I'm only halfway through, and it's an older book, and it's very interesting, like the concepts, but I will say I wouldn't recommend that if you're like a first-time money mindset type of person. What I mean is like, if I would have read that book four years ago, I would have been like, what the fuck is this book? Like, I've taken so many money programs now that now I'm in that place to read that book. I've heard Happy Pocket Full of Money is incredible. I have it on my Kindle. I need to read it. But I've heard that from so many people in this space. They loved Happy Pocket Full of Money. I've heard Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, I believe, is incredible. And that's all about like the the mindset. Again, the thoughts you have around money and the things you believe will become true. So that's on my list. And I'm trying to think of any other ones that are popping up. I'm trying to think of courses too. I talked about Money Queen with Jenna Black. Natalia Benson, Heal Your Money, Tori Washington, House of Wealth Embodiment. I will say I haven't taken Catherine Zankina's Rich Babe Academy, but from her podcast, which is just called the Manifestation Babe podcast, I probably would take it in the future because it sounds like she explains money in a way that really resonates with me. And she talks about like the subconscious mind and your thoughts and your beliefs around it. So she's, I think, an incredible resource. Even listening to her podcast really helped me. And money management. I will repeat that over and over and over again. Money management is what finally helped me feel safe. Looking at the numbers, putting the dates in my calendar of when bills come out, understanding what my monthly expenses are, what I need to live. And again, enjoying the fruits of my labor. The point of my business was to not be a hermit and like not enjoy it. It was so that I, if I wanted to get you know, a tarot card reading on a Wednesday that I had money in the bank to do that. If I wanted to hire a nutritionist, I could do that. And so now I'm in that space where I'm learning to put that money aside and invest in myself and not feel guilty about it. But it is something that I'm proud of for finally learning and doing because it really has changed the game. 
So yeah, that is my relationship with money, what I've healed, what I'm still working on. I hope this was helpful because I know for so long I was scared to talk about money because no one talked about money. And now that I'm in spaces where people talk about money, it has transformed my life. And I'm hoping that this can be a catalyst for either you to start looking at your money or heal your relationship with your money because it, again, is something that you will use for the rest of your life. If you found value in this episode, let me know. You can tag me on Instagram and share your favorite part, share it to your Instagram stories. My Instagram is at Chelsea Rife or at non-expert opinion pod. You can always leave a review on iTunes. If you screenshot it and submit it to me before you send it, you can also send it after you send it, but iTunes is a bit weird with how long it takes the review to go through. I will send you a guided meditation for free. And you can always write into the podcast. Hello in my non-expert opinion.com. But yeah, that is about it. If I think of anything else, I will always share it on my Instagram stories or in a future episode, but let me know how you like this solo episode and what you want to hear more of. All right. With that, I will see you all next week. 